Let me tell you. Let me tell you a little story about that. I think it's jelly pino, not jelly pino. <laughs> it's more appropriate. This is the Regular Pastor Podcast, a podcast devoted to regular pastors of regular churches. My name is Landon Coleman. I'm a regular pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Odessa, Texas. We have a full house today. The crew is here. To my left is Leslie Spear. Across the desk from me, in camo, practically invisible, is Jalapeno Jellypino Siegler. What it do, boo? And to my right, sitting at the seat of honor, is the one and only Jacob Graves. What's up? Um, we want to start with a warm welcome to the greatest podcast audience in the history of mass media, which includes uh, my mom and Jake's mom, and Hunter's going to listen to this twice. So we're going to at least get four views on this <laughs> podcast or four downloads. Uh, we do want to start with our faux sponsor of the day. And I asked nobody to come prepared with a faux sponsor, but somebody's going to come up with a faux sponsor. Who's it going to be? I think the dessert nacho from Elvis. Oh, the Elvis dessert nacho. I texted you guys that just a minute ago, and it was fantastic. You stimulated some jealousy in me. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, I had it with some green salsa, which would have been too hot for Jake. You mean Hunter? <laughs> <laughs> There was an eating competition this week in the interest of full disclosure between Hunter and Jake, and the results of that competition are disputed. There is some picture evidence that suggests that Hunter was crying in the midst well, of eating okay. a, a jalapeno. First of all, <laughs> I don't recall it being a competition. And two... That's what the losers always say. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm the only one that's won the only real competition between the four of us. Thank you. Is there, there a three, three or is that it? Um, three. <laughs> <laughs> crying is a very strong word. I, I don't think I was crying. Did I you have, have been Did you have water I'm a very coming? Expressive person. Did you have water coming out of your tear ducts? Um, yes. No. <laughs> I'll answer for him. Yes, he did. And he told me he was crying. So I don't understand how you can win the Grim Reaper wing eating contest, but you can't handle a sliced. Jalapeno, one jalapeno just breaks you I down. I believe the exact quote when you got back to the church was, I thought I was dying. <laughs> Did I get that right? I didn't write it down, but if memory serves that, me that correct. jalapeno attacked me, <laughs> and, I, and I thought I was having a heart attack. I had some complications going on. It was, it was not a good day. Uh, well, we're glad you survived, and uh, we're glad you're here. Today, uh, we're going to talk about something that's really not quite as lighthearted as a jalapeno, jalapeno, Hunter crying because the food is too spicy. Uh, we're going to talk about a guy named Carl Lentz. Um, I saw an article a couple of weeks ago, uh, which came out a week or two after some news broke about Carl Lentz, and the article was 
at least in part titled Celebrity Pastor. And when I saw the title of the article, Celebrity Pastor, it immediately made me think, yeah, that's not me. That's not us. We're not celebrity pastors. We're regular pastors. Uh, But the article was really, really interesting. So some people know who Carl uh, Lentz is. Um, Before I sent you guys that article, did you know who he was? No, dog. (laughs) (laughs) No, never heard of him? Nope. Jake? I've heard of him, but I've don't know much about Jake him. heard of him because he uh because he I'm records the view pastor. and watches the view <laughs> and Carl Lentz is on the view every now and then so uh <laughs> it's okay if you watch the view bro I we was don't in care. the VIP section at his church <laughs> oh here we go I thought he was gonna say at the view <laughs> <laughs> there too uh okay let me give you a quick rundown uh for those who maybe don't know who Carl Lentz is Carl Lentz was born in Virginia Uh, At college, he was a walk-on basketball player at North Carolina State. As an adult, he moved to Los Angeles. He attended King's College and Seminary. And then at some point, he moved to Australia, and he attended Hillsong International Leadership College. Uh, Hillsong is the global church music ministry, Christian ministry founded by Brian Houston. Lentz became friends with Houston and his son, Joel Houston, Uh, Together they had this idea they were going to plant Hillsong Church, New York City. And my understanding is at the peak of Hillsong, uh, Manhattan, they were running uh, 9,000 in weekly attendance, and they had six services. Uh, The church was a celebrity church. It wasn't like you had to have certain celebrity credentials to get in, but there was a lot of celebrities there. Uh, You can Google this whole thing and you'll find stories about uh, Justin Bieber, who was baptized there by Carl Lentz. Uh, You'll find stories about Kevin Durant, Selena Gomez, Chris Pratt. Uh, A lot of genuinely A-list celebrities, athletes attended this church at different times. Uh, And Lentz, we joked about The View, but in his own right, he is something of a celebrity. He did make appearances on The View, which... Whatever you think about Carl Lentz, there's not a lot of pastors going on The View. So that's some measure of celebrity. Um, he posts things on Instagram where he's hanging out with people like Oprah and the Kardashians. So he's not like, when we say he's a, a guy running with celebrities or a celebrity pastor, we're not even saying like dancing with the stars level celebrity. That's like the C or D level celebrity. This is like legit, you know, big time uh, names. Um, more recently, he is in the news because he was fired by Brian Houston. And here's the deal. You can get online. You can Google this. You'll find 10,000 articles. In fact, today, this morning, I was trying to find some information on other pastors and scandals, and I was Googling different things. All that comes up right now is is uh, Lentz. That's the only thing you can find. You can't even get 10 pages down on Google and find anything about anybody else. Um, If you want to read about this from a legit source, you ought to get online and look at, uh, there's a New York Times article, and then there's an article written by David French. And they're very different articles, but I think they're both helpful. They're not filled with salacious tabloid gossip nonsense. You can go deep on a Google search and find all kinds of nasty stuff and nobody has any idea if all that stuff is true or not true 
the long and the short of it is that Lentz was fired because uh, church leadership discovered multiple affairs. Uh, there was one big one in particular that broke, but in the official statement, they said they discovered multiple affairs. Uh, they cited him for narcissistic behavior, manipulating and mistreating people, uh, as well as breaches of trust connected to lying. And when these these articles describe the culture of Hillsong, New York City, uh, they really describe it as a church that catered to the rich and the famous. And Jake made a joke about he was sitting in the VIP section at this church, but they literally had a VIP section, literally had a roped off designated area where if you are a certain stature of celebrity, that's where you sit. I have no idea how you fit that with the book of James that says if someone comes into your midst wearing nice clothes and you sit them at the front as opposed to a poor man, I don't know how you fit that, but they, they had it. Um, they had that going on. And they also described the church as, um, really a cult of personality where Lentz was just sort of an onstage presence. He wasn't around at all, except when it was time to take the stage. And then he'd sort of disappear and wasn't around anymore. Um, one thing I want to say is that there are recent reports that, and I don't know if these are true or not, but there's some recent reports that Carl Lentz realizes that right now his name is bigger than ever because of the scandal, sort of the any press is good press uh, mindset, and that he wants to promote his career and advance his career. Um, he's looking to land some sort of TV deal of some kind. I have no idea what that means. I have no idea if that's true, uh, but it's an interesting piece of this, uh, should it be true, that he is eagerly, actively trying to promote his brand, his career, his uh, media presence, etc. Now, here's what this podcast isn't going to be about. Uh, it's not going to be about laughing at a guy who got fired and cheated on his wife and treated people poorly, because none of those things are funny. There's real people who have been hurt on a church level and certainly on a family level, and none of that is one bit uh, funny. Uh, this is not going to be Hillsong is the worst. Like, maybe there's some problems within the Hillsong organization and culture, but there's plenty of these stories to go around. Uh, you can go back to Mark Driscoll, Acts 29. You can look at Billy Graham's uh, step-grandson or whatever he was, Tully and Chavijan. You can look at more recent stuff about Ravi Zacharias after his death. Uh, allegations coming out about really, really serious sexual misconduct. So this is not a blame Hillsong, Hillsong's the worst, we hate those guys podcast. Uh, there are plenty of dudes who get fired from their ministries for adultery, for substance abuse, for gambling, for bullying people, for all sorts of really nasty stuff. So this is not just unique to Hillsong. Uh, this isn't even... Carl Lentz is the worst. We hate that guy. He's terrible. Um, we want to learn from him, but the reality is none of us know him on any level other than what Google tells us or TMZ tells us or The View tells us. What we do want to talk about, what I asked you guys to think about is, as regular pastors, you hear this story, and really you can substitute Mark Driscoll uh, James McDonald, Bill Gothard, Ravi Zacharias, you can substitute any name in you want to substitute. 
We're not celebrity pastors. We're regular pastors. But when you read these kinds of stories, what do you learn? What's the takeaway for us as regular pastors, uh, for us as husbands, for us as leaders at, in our context, Emmanuel Baptist Church? I want to know what you take away as a lesson from these stories, the most recent of which is Carl Lentz. So we'll start with the elder statesman in the room, Mr. Les Spear. What do you learn from this? What do you take away? I guess the first thing, you know, that you mentioned was that he was there when it was time to take the stage. And then there was really no, he kind of disappeared. So when I look at that, um, it makes me question the accountability that he would have uh, not only with his staff, but with uh, some men that could hold him accountable. But also, um, it makes me question uh, the daily walk. I mean, if you're not there, if you're not around, are you truly walking in a manner to where people see it, to where people can uh, notice the growth in your life or the lack of growth in your life? And so... um, What do you think that accountability should have looked like amongst other staff or leaders in, in that organization? What are some things that might have helped? I think he would have to set that up. I think there would have to be a time when he uh, got some men around him that could hold him accountable to what he's reading, what he's studying, uh, to pray over him, for him to have that time to pray with them. So I think there should have been a group of men uh, to hold him accountable. Uh, So what does that look like for a regular pastor? I think exactly the same. I think it's, you know, or, or maybe you even going to your staff saying, you know, if you see anything out of hmm. me that looks out of whack. Because when I read the article, I thought to myself, well, surely someone around him noticed that there was some weird behavior. It is interesting. I read some stuff today about after the big bombshell broke, sort of the initial story dropped, there's just been a trickle of other people one of which I, I saw today was a dog walker. A dog walker who walked his dogs and walked dogs in his building came out and said, oh yeah, I've seen stuff over the last couple of years, but I didn't want to say anything. Um, the same thing with uh, Ravi Zacharias I read today. There was people who saw stuff that never said anything because of who he was and the stature that he held. And surely if there's a dog walker that notices it, there are others. You would think so. Right. You would think so. But then on the, not to interrupt you, but on the flip side of that, it also makes me wonder what made him think that he could not go and ask for help, Uh, that he was too far gone. Maybe, I mean, obviously he could have enjoyed what he was doing. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But, I mean, you would think that if someone uh, was struggling with those types of things, surely you would say, okay, I need help. I need to go to someone Hmm. that I can confide in and say, I need help. I need you to pray for me. What steps do we need to take to make this right? And you would hope that that would happen long before the dam breaks, but along the way when you are struggling, just genuinely struggling with some temptation things, perhaps. What were we going to say? But if if it's gotten to the point where that pastor, not, not exclusively Lentz, but that pastor has experienced multiple affairs, do you think that they want 
Mm-hmm. To, Agreed. To seek help in that? Or do you think that they've just given into it and that they're <clears throat> full force pursuing it? I can't, I can't psychoanalyze Lentz. <clears throat> I can look at the story and say, okay, if it's going on to this depth and this extent, you don't want people to stop you. But I also look at it and I think some of it is so open and flagrant and shocking that you didn't get caught sooner. It's almost like you're asking to get caught. Mm-hmm. And and that's really, you know, I'm not trying to analyze his motives and the whole thing, but uh, maybe that's just sin. Sin makes you do stupid things and it makes you bolder than you ought to be and you step out further than you ought to go and you think you're above being caught. You think you've figured out a system. I don't know. Um but it's a it's a strange a strange question to say why didn't he ever ask anybody for help and did he feel like he couldn't do that did he feel like he'd be kicked out of an organization if they knew he was struggling with certain things uh, did he think that he didn't need it was above it I don't know yeah I was gonna say I think like the fact that his livelihood was tied up in it like if you're a truck driver and you have an affair they're not gonna fire you. Yeah. But if you're a pastor and you come out and have been having an affair for years, well, there's a chance that your livelihood that you've been doing is going to go away if you, you know, just come out and be open with that and, and honest with that. I think it's a great point. I've talked to a number of men over the course of my ministry, laymen, who are having affairs or their wife was having an affair. And not one of them ever came to me fearful that he was going to lose his career. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your reputation. You're going to lose your peace of mind. You're going to lose a lot of things. But none of them came with the idea of, well, my career is now gone. And that is part of it for a pastor. It's part of what you accept. But it does perhaps make it harder to come clean and ask for help along the way. Because doing so means, in most cases, well, you're done especially for a regular pastor. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Uh, Hubcap, something you learned from this story, something you take away. Well, before I, I, I say what I learned, um, I wanted to, to add to Corey's point about surrounding yourself with men. I think that's, <clears throat> especially for a pastor, I think that that's supposed to be your elders, right? Mm. I mean, and that's the reason that, that Paul teaches us to have elders, is so that we are surrounded by men who are going to keep us accountable, who are going to be in our business and know what we're studying and, and what our personal spiritual life is like so that there's accountability in the church. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know if, if Hillsong has elders. I would assume not, but that certainly could have been a piece of the puzzle to help him. Yeah, I don't know their ecclesiological structure. I would... I would vaguely guess that they're pretty similar to like the new apostolic reformation guys where they kind of view, they have a, a, a position above elder that they might call apostle. Uh, and in some of those movements, again, this isn't to pick on Hillsong or any of these other churches, but it's just reality. In some of those churches, that high level position is almost unquestionable. It's almost a, there's a unique authority there that you don't dare cross or question, uh, and that puts you at risk. So I don't know. I don't know what that would have been. I think for a lot of regular pastors, guys are going to find that maybe in elders, maybe in a group of deacons. And look, if you find yourself in a church that you have 
uh, no plurality of elders, but you have a great group of deacons, we'll use those guys for that purpose. And if you don't have that, maybe it's a personnel committee, or maybe it's just an informal small group of men that you ask to come alongside you, but that is important. Okay, so that was piggyback on Corey. Now say something original. (laughs) Hold on, I can't see Jake's notes. There you go. Um, I would say whenever, whenever you sent this to us initially, and I read through that article, the first thing that, that really struck me is I need to be careful in specifically in youth ministry, because, um, in youth ministry, there's this tendency to, uh, to, to lean towards culture more than the the rest of the church Mm -hmm. does. And, and you do it in, in youth world just to attract a larger number of students because you want to be the biggest show in town, the biggest youth group, so that you can get the most kids in there and, and have the best numbers. But and, and so you see a lot of youth ministries leaning more towards those seeker-sensitive church-style production show with the lights and the haze and, the, and, and that type of preaching style. And so... Um, for me, it made me think about you have to be careful about separating yourself from your congregation um, in, in the way that he did that. And he set himself up to be this celebrity figure within his church. He removed himself <laughs> as the pastor. He removed himself <laughs> from his congregation. He did. And he he made it where people could not access him and, unless they were themselves VIPs. Yeah. And and that's a very dangerous dangerous situation to put yourself in as a pastor because you no longer become a pastor you become a performer yeah and um yeah you're a hired preacher yeah you're a hired personality um yeah i th- i think it's super super dangerous and again i i really don't want to just pile on hillsong or lentz but there was something unique in this situation where they were very much trying to be cool and that very much did have an impact does have an impact on the way your church functions and operates and there's consequences for that and i i think it's a fair point for youth ministry there's always a pull in youth ministry to be cool and to be a little cooler than big church or a little cooler than the rest of the congregation and uh, to push that envelope there's not necessarily anything wrong with those things, uh, but there's a danger that goes along with it, that your your focus becomes coolness rather than discipleship, rather than faithfulness to the Lord. And certainly that celebrity status of a, can happen to a youth pastor, can happen to a senior pastor, can happen to a regular pastor or a fundamentalist Baptist pastor, where you become the personality that everything revolves around rather than the shepherd, right? We're not called to be personalities. We're called to be shepherds. Yeah. So good thought. Jake, what do you think? Um, well, the, the part that I expounded on the most, you kind of hit it in your intro, but, but I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, do that one. It was, it was on the, the literal VIP section mm. in the church. I'll just read. I took a clip from the article. I'll just read where it says it. It says, a reserved seating section for VIPs appeared at the front of the church and then expanded to take up multiple rows. When high-profile entertainers or sports stars would try to slip into the main seating area content to worship with ordinary churchgoers, 
Ushers were often instructed to guide them to the special section in front or to whisk them backstage to meet Mr. Lentz. And then, and then I wrote James 2, like you said. So, so tell me if this sounds like what you hear in James 2. <laughs> James says, If a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So that is so cut and dried, so plain. It's so smack you in the face obvious. How do you imagine a church gets to the point where they have a VIP section <laughs> in light? <laughs> How do you get there? It's so black and white, like in your face. How do you get there? Do you imagine? I have one theory. Do you have any thoughts on how you end up in that spot? I mean, the culture you set, I mean, you're what you're you're striving to get, like Hunter was saying, if you're striving to get numbers, like if you can advertise Justin Bieber leads worship at this church, well, you're going to get people that are going to come to a free Justin Bieber concert or to come see Kevin Durant and Selena Gomez and those other people. So if you can attract them. And let's give let's give the Hillsong group and Carl the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure that it was all justified in the name of reaching people with the gospel. If we can get them here, we have the opportunity to reach them with the gospel. And we might be able to get them here if Kevin Durant's coming, or if Bieber's coming, or if Selena's coming, or whoever is coming and here, then people will show up. Then we can tell them about Jesus. And it sounds, you can justify it. You You can make it seem like an evangelistic strategy. The problem is, reaching people when it becomes unhinged from faithfulness to the scripture and seeking God's glory always goes off the rails. It always turns into celebrity worship. It always turns into performance. It always turns into entertainment. It always turns into a clown show rather than a worship service. And essentially you're structuring your whole church strategy on lost people rather than on followers of Jesus Christ and moving them towards maturity. Yeah. So, yeah, when you read that about the, the congregation, I don't know how common that is in other Hillsong churches, if that was unique to the New York City campus or what, but that's pretty, uh, it's a pretty shocking picture that's <laughs> painted there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and how I think about it applying to us as regular pastors, like I've never read that, that section in James and thought about a church literally doing that, <laughs> Lit- literally masking off, taping off a VIP section, telling your ushers, hey, when the rich guy comes in, put him right here. When the, when the poor guy comes in, put, it, put him in the back or put him away from me. Um, but like in a literal sense, I've never thought about anybody doing that. But I know that we still do this as regular churches and regular pastors um, usually in comes in the form sense. of getting upset because somebody sat in your chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, well, you're, you're right. It's easy for us to look at such an obvious example of m- missing it on this issue and to say, man, we would never set up a VIP section in our church. Can you imagine the idiots doing that? Regular pastors and regular churches still do it. 
it may just not involve Justin Bieber or Kevin Durant or Chris Pratt. It might involve uh, the doctor in town or the school board member, the school board president in a small community who visits your church and you treat him differently than the single mom. It can take a lot of different forms that are way more subtle and less obvious that you don't brag about like they bragged about. And you can still be in violation of that. So, yeah, that's a good warning. All right, round the circle. Leslie, what else you got? Uh, I think we as regular pastors, uh, when I really think about it, we may be at more of a risk for this to happen than a celebrity pastor. For what to happen? Uh, For moral failure. Why why are we at more of a risk than Carl Lentz? He's pretty good looking. (laughs) None of us are that good looking. (laughs) Agreed. Speak for yourself. (laughs) I just think that because we're not I, I think maybe a lot of people saw this going on and did not say anything because of his celebrity status and i think that because we're not as well known maybe people just don't care to look at our lives so therefore hidden sin or um things that we might hide from and we may be able to hide easier because mm-hmm. We're not in that status. I just think it would be much easier for us to fall into those traps and temptations than it would be a celebrity pastor. Yeah, interesting point. I mean, he is reasonably well-known, and for him to pull this off required some serious cover-up on his part. Or as they said, constant lying. Yes, there was a lot of lying involved to make this happen. Whereas when you don't have paparazzi following you or you're not hanging out with people who have paparazzi following them, maybe it is easier for someone to to pull something like this off. So there is a danger there. Absolutely. What do you think, Hubcap? Give me another thought. I know you got at least... We were supposed to have two. I know you got at least (laughs) one more thought up in that noggin. I had a thought. (laughs) Um. Um, so kind of off of Corey's point about how it could almost be easier for a regular pastor to hide their sin. I think another thing that I took away from this is that how important it is to be intentional in our own personal walks and in our own spiritual development and our own spiritual disciplines and making sure that we are seeking our own sanctification and not just uh, looking to to teach everybody else about Jesus and not teach ourselves about Jesus. Yeah. If you, if you think that because you went to seminary or because you had a great experience at some point in your life or because you're walking with the Lord today, that you would not be capable of doing something similar to what happened in this story or all the other stories, you're nuts. The only thing that will keep you from that, whether you're a celebrity pastor or a regular pastor, is intentionally walking with the Lord and cultivating a relationship with the Lord, being in His Word, being consistent in prayer, being accountable to other people. And apart from that, we're all capable of something like this. Hmm. I mean, what, what Jeremiah said about the heart being deceitful above all things doesn't just apply to pretty guys with goofy glasses who pastor 9,000-member churches 
or people like Ravi Zacharias who travel the world and they're internationally famous and sell millions of books. Like the wickedness and the deceitfulness of their heart lives in my heart, in your heart, in our hearts. And it's it doesn't take long if you quit walking with the Lord to potentially end up in a spot where you could do something like this. So it's certainly important to maintain those disciplines and to be intentional there. Jake, give us one more thought. Uh, I mean, I was going to say something similar, but I'll, I'll just uh, kind of jump off of that. Of like, you have to be able to be questioned. Mm. Like it, it seems like um, nobody could question what he did, and if he did, he had this this network of guys or staff people around him, or even if people came up to them and reported, you know, potential things that happened to them, they just completely dismissed it and brushed it off, and like he like. He was the guy that you couldn't question anything he did, um, and no one would, would kind of listen to what they said. And so you have to be able to be questioned, or because of you know our fallen humanity and our pridefulness, we will fall if, if we don't have— That's an interesting take. In light of conversations I've had this week with other regular pastors, because I've talked with other regular pastors, some here in Odessa, some in other communities, just this week, who have complained to me— that their church wouldn't let them do all the things they wanted to do, and there was pushback, and there was questions, and this committee got in the way, or this person got in the way. And to listen to these guys talk, I just asked one of them, like, what do you want to happen? And he said, well, I just want them to follow me. I just want them to do what I think we ought to do as the leader. And essentially what he's saying is, I want to exercise strong leadership, so that everyone just does exactly what I tell them to do. You better be careful if that's what you want, because if you get it, it's not going to be a healthy situation for you. It's not a healthy situation when a guy like Carl Lentz has a bunch of enablers Hmm. just jumping every time he says jump and doing whatever he tells them to do. That ends badly every time, whether you're in Hillsong or a fundamentalist Baptist church. That is a bad, bad spot to be in, but I think it's a lot of spot... I think it's a spot that a lot of regular pastors wish they were in because mm. a lot of regular pastors have structures and things in place in small to medium-sized churches that prevent them from just doing whatever they want to do. Well, I have to have office hours. Well, they're telling me I don't visit enough. Well, they're telling me I'm not engaged enough. Or they're telling me my preachings. This They get all these this feedback and pushback, and they resent it. You need that yeah. as a pastor. And you shouldn't resent it. And you shouldn't just want to domineer over people so that they do whatever it is that you want them to do. You should be able to be questioned and to give an account for things. Um, Yeah. Were you going to add to that? What do you think? As I was thinking about examples, of course, the first thing you think of is King David and his failure. But the one thing that I kept going back to was John the Baptist and the example that he set for us and that in his ministry, when people stopped listening to him and were following after Jesus and even some guys came to him and said, why are you encouraged by this? Why aren't you getting upset about this? And he goes, it's not my job is to decrease and for him to increase. And, and I think that as regular pastors, we have to remember that because some of us are going to be in positions where we can be more of a celebrity-style pastor. 
but we just need to understand that it's it's all about making Jesus known, and it's not about us. It's not about um, yeah. If it becomes about your brand or your marketability or your public profile or whatever, you've totally missed yep. the point. We have to decrease. Jesus has to increase. Right. And when it's about your status as a celebrity in Manhattan or in some little podunk town in Oklahoma or in Odessa, Texas, out in West Texas, if it becomes about you, you've completely missed yep. you completely missed the boat. I think one thing I thought about this week, look, these stories drip every two months, it seems like. There's another well-known celebrity pastor, celebrity speaker, celebrity author, celebrity somebody who gets caught gambling or gets caught cheating on his wife or gets caught uh, abusing people in a, not a physical way, but an emotional, mental way. Um, These come out all the time. And I think most regular pastors inevitably find themselves from time to time daydreaming about a bigger platform, wishing I wish I had a bigger platform. I wish I was at a bigger spot. I wish I was more visible. I, I just think most of us wrestle with that on some level. And again, I come back and say, we probably better be careful what we wish for. Because you look at a lot of these guys who have the biggest platforms that you can imagine, and many of them end up making shipwreck of their faith, of their families, of their ministries. And what what pride on our parts to think that we could handle those things any better, that if we were put in those situations, we would do anything differently. Maybe it's the Lord's grace that keeps us in a, a regular church and a regular pastor position in a, a regular community and something that doesn't involve any sort of celebrity so that we can keep our family and keep our ministry and keep our faith. And if that's what God maybe is doing in our lives, it's something that we certainly ought to be thankful for. So there you go. Any last thoughts before we wrap it up? To the regular pastors, I would just say, don't be lazy. Be diligent Mm -hmm. in the word. Be diligent in prayer. Uh, Walk with the Lord. And that is the bit. When I look back at times in my own life where I was struggling with sin, uh, it was because I was lazy in my walk with Christ Mm -hmm. every single time. So spiritual disciplines matter. They do. Yep. Very good. All right. Thanks for listening to the regular pastor podcast. Uh, in light of this episode, we will not be renaming the podcast celebrity pastor podcast. We're going to stick with regular pastor. Big thanks to Elvis for the appetizer nacho and the dessert nacho. Praise. They were both fantastic. Check us out online, regularpastor.com. Uh, if you know a regular pastor who ought to come on the podcast, we'd love to talk with them. Uh, if you have complaints or constructive criticism, please send it to Brian Houston, Hillsong Church, Australia. Until next time, this is a crew of regular pastors out. Okay, love you. Bye.